Let's dive into Luke 23. You might be really upset to know we've finished Revelation. We're no longer going to have half an hour deep theological sermons. For the next month, it's going to be a bit lighter, a bit more bite-sized, as we look at the cast of the crucifixion. Each week, we're going to look at a different character from the crucifixion. One will be a well-known person. Um, Some of them might not be. And we're going to look at a bit of their history, and we're going to look at what they can teach us about being a disciple of Jesus. And the first one is... Herod. So we're going to dive into Luke 23. You might have your Bible open. You might have a church Bible. It is on the screen. It's always good to see the wider context, but it is on the screen behind me. Luke 23. You might think to begin with, why on earth is, are we hearing about Pilate? We're talking about Pontius Pilate in a couple of weeks' time, but Pontius Pilate and Herod come up at the same time. So Luke 23. We'll actually start at verse 1, otherwise we don't know what Pilate's hearing. Sorry, (laughs) that was my mistake. So Luke 23 verse 1 says, The whole assembly, that was the council of the elders and the people that have just arrested Jesus, he's on trial. The whole assembly rose and led Jesus off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We've found this man subverting the nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar And he claims to be Christ, a king. Interestingly, by the way, that's a different uh, accusation than they gave him in the temple. But we'll come on to that later. So Pilate says to Jesus, are you king of the Jews? Yes, it is as he say, Jesus replied. And then Pilate said to the chief priest in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted, he stirs up the people all over Judea. By his teaching, he started in Galilee, and he's come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, phew, he sent him off to Herod, who was in Jerusalem at that time as well. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time, he'd been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracles. And so he plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Herod and the soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. They dressed him in an elegant robe and sent him back to Pilate. And that day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before that, they had been enemies. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the story of all you've done through us. May we grow closer to you this morning in your name and by the power of your spirit. Amen. I'm turning into a brief history teacher this morning. I'm stepping into the dark side. I used to be a geography teacher. So this is quite painful, stepping across the humanities. We were often against each other in the staff room, but I'm doing it. So here's a potted history of Herod Antipas. I think I've missed out a really interesting bit already. Yeah, I have. Sorry. I've already, I've, I'm going wrong already. How many Herods do we think there are in the Bible? Three? Four? Six? I know. Some of them have a very similar name to be tricked. So we've got, we've got Herod the Great. He's the one in the Christmas story that no one likes. Herod Archelaus. Um, Joseph went to Nazareth instead of Bethlehem because of that Herod. We've got Herod Antipas. He's the, ch- the chap we're talking about this morning. We've got Herod Philip, Herod Agrippa. He was the one eaten by worms 
What a great Sunday school story that is. Someone eaten by worms. I think that's one of Arthur's favorite stories in the Lego Bible. Um, you can guess why. It's grim. Uh, Herod Agrippa II, he's the one that put Paul on trial in Caesarea. There are other historical ones as well that aren't in the Bible. Six King Herods. So today we're looking at Herod Antipas. He's not a Jew. He was trying to pretend kind of he was a Jew. He wanted the Jews on side, but he wasn't a Jew. He was half Egemean, half Samaritan. That would have annoyed the Jews, wouldn't it? Because they weren't friends. And he was raised in Rome. He was quite an angry man because in his will, his father had promised him to be king. And then at the last moment, he'd changed his mind and he became king over a quarter of the land, not half of it. You might have heard of the term Herod the Tetrarch, which means Herod of, four, of, of the fourth of the land, a kind of miniature bite-sized monarch. So he was probably a little bit knocked off. He was married to someone called uh, someone who we don't know the name of, but she was the daughter of King Aretas. But one day, while he was still married, he visited Rome, and he fell in love with the wife of his half-brother. So they eloped, and they got married. Her name was Herodias. And so this annoyed the Jews even more. Not only was he a Samaritan, they didn't get on with him. Not only was he born in Rome, and so he was kind of that side of things, the Rome, Romans weren't good. He also went against the Jewish laws by marrying his half-brother's wife. So the, the Jewish king, the Jewish ruler, was immoral and impure. I wonder if that's why he rocked up for Passover. That's why he was in Jerusalem at this time. It probably wasn't because he was a pious Jew and he wanted to go and do the right thing. It was probably a bit like when a politician rocks up to a litter pick for a photo shoot and then disappears. Or when they happen to appear on the news. You know, you know those kind of things that the cynical ones amongst us go, really? I wonder if that's the same thing that Herod Antipas was doing. Let's be there for Passover. All the Jews can see what a great Jew I am. And as luck would have it, as it were, he rocks up at Passover when, Jewish, when Jesus appears. Herod really wanted to meet Jesus. We read this back in Luke uh, chapter 9. It says this in Luke chapter 9. Herod heard about all the stuff that was going on. He was perplexed. Some were saying that John the Baptist had come to life. Others were saying Elijah had appeared. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who is this man that I hear so much about? And he tried to see him. He's talking about Jesus. Herod, the Jewish king, is eager to see the miracle maker. We've got Pontius Pilate, and we don't want to get, go down the, the route of him, but he's kind of like the Roman overseer. He's the, he's the ruler over a bigger place. And underneath him, you've got Herod, who looks after the Jews, oversees the Jews. That's why Pontius Pilate went, oh, phew, nothing to do with Rome. He's not, Jesus isn't um, up against Rome. He's against the Jews. I can send him off to Herod. That's what Pontius Pilate was trying to do. And, and Herod is eager to meet this miracle maker. He's heard the miracles. He's heard of the, the healings and the exorcisms. And he wants to check out this magician. He was greatly pleased, verse 8, tell us. He wants to be entertained. 
He's not there to see the kingdom of God move in power. He's not there to see the scriptures fulfilled. He's not there to fall on his knees and call Jesus Lord. He's there for smoke and mirrors and maybe a performance, a gimmick. He wants to see Jesus, but arguably not because of who Jesus is, but because of what he does. He's missing the point. At the moment, Kimberly and I are working through two box sets on Netflix. Well, actually one, really. And it is this one. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry. It is <laughs> this one. This is what happens when I just go off script, you see. It hopefully be a picture of two actors. Thank you. Sorry, that might be. There you go. So, um, I don't know about you, but if you see that picture, my first thought isn't Jennifer Lawrence who's the name of the actress. My first thought is Katniss, Hunger Games. If you've not watched Hunger Games, this is well over your head. But that's the first thing I think of when I see her. I see her with her bow and arrows, getting the capital. If you haven't seen it on, on Amazon Prime, it's a great box set. Have, have, a, have a, a watch of it. That's the first thing I think of when I see her. I don't think of who she is. I think of what she does. Same for the next chap, maybe. Maybe even more for the next bloke we're going to see. And in fact, to the point where whenever I see Daniel Ratcliffe in another film, I think, oh, it's Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't think, oh, what a great actor Daniel Ratcliffe. Yeah, what a great actor Daniel Ratcliffe is. I think it's Harry Potter. You see, my mind associates these people with, not with who they are. I don't know who they are. I associate it with, with, with what they have done. And I wonder if that helps us think of what Herod was like. When he sees Jesus, he doesn't see the King of Kings, the Ancient of Days, the, the Word made flesh. He sees what he does, this miracle worker that goes around giving a flash performance. And so here's the question for all of us this morning. Here at St. T's, our strapline is real people doing life together, all for Jesus. It's on the big sign as you come in, all for Jesus. We're here for him. We're not here primarily for the good stuff he does when we gather. Now, no, I'm not saying we're not here for that. One of our values is we gather and we do that for ministry, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We love hearing these stories of the God stories. We love it when we hear of healings and miracles. But, but it's not all about that. We're here primarily, or we should be here primarily, because of who Jesus is. These things are bound together. You can't separate who he is and what he does. But our focus primarily is on Jesus. Because if it's not, there are going to be times when we pray for miracles and don't see them. Or when we turn up to church and we want a really feel-good morning. But actually, we don't like any of the songs. The preacher talked for too long and the coffee was cold. Oh, great. Um, but, but we're here for more than that, hopefully. We're here for Jesus. I wonder this morning if any of you have joined in with the psalmist in Psalm 44 who says this. Wake up, Lord. Why are you asleep? Rouse yourself. Don't reject me forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our misery and oppression? Hello? God, are you asleep? There's a great uh, time when, when um, the Elijah um, is on the mountain. Many of us will know this story. And he's telling his enemies, your God's not doing anything. Shout louder, maybe he'll hear you. 
So maybe, in fact, what he actually says in the original language is maybe your God's on the toilet. Maybe he's busy and he can't come down and do what you want to do. And then he covers his bonfire full of water. And he says, come on, God, do your stuff. And the, the watery wood is burnt up with fire. God doesn't sleep. But sometimes, if we're honest, it might feel that he's in a different room or that he's not listening to us. Maybe sometimes we feel like Herod. We've turned up. We want to see Jesus do a good thing. And Jesus isn't even talking to us. How frustrated would Herod would have been? He can't wait to see this Jesus chap. Jesus doesn't even talk to him. Bit cheeky, really. He must have been so incensed with rage, so infuriated. I wonder if we might feel like that sometimes. We gather on Sundays. We expect God to move. Of course we do. We look forward to the day when God will do more than, than well, God will seem to do more when we'll see the fullness of the kingdom. We come to worship a God who is always working. But more than that, we come because we are all for Jesus. Herod doesn't get the performance he wants. But despite that, he still sees Jesus as innocent. He dresses Jesus up. And there must be something about that dressing up and sending him back to Pilate that makes Pilate know that Herod found him innocent. Because Herod doesn't give a scroll or anything. And so clever people than me have suggested that maybe he was dressed in a white robe or something like that that showed his innocence. So they dressed him up and made a bit of a fool out of him. But they were like, well, he's not worthy of being dead. Herod said, yeah, he's annoying and he doesn't do what I want him to do, but he hasn't broken any law. And Pilate says this in verse 15. Herod um, has found no basis for your charge against him. He has done nothing deserving of death. We'll come back to Pilate later. Herod doesn't find him guilty. And I wonder if there's something there for us this morning, that when we're stood in front of the Lord, as it were, and we feel he's silent, we still recognize that, that he's not guilty of not being God. That when we're in those nights, as it were, of the soul, when we're finding life really difficult, when we're not getting the answers to prayer that we want, Lord, you did it before, why won't you do it now? We still stand with, he- with Herod, actually, and we say, no, no God, can, God can do what he wants. He is, as it were, innocent of our blaming. Obviously, Herod didn't declare Jesus as Lord. That's where the analogy falls down. And instead of Herod sending him back to Pilate, we're called to pull him closer, aren't we? When God's voice is a whisper, something I'm trying to remind myself is when I can't hear God, that's God calling me a little bit closer. You know, I think of my kids when they're whispering at me. They don't want me to disappear. When they're whispering, they want me to come closer. There's something they want to tell me. And with the Lord, sometimes when we're going through a stage of Jesus standing there, seeming silent, I wonder actually if he's encouraging us to go a little deeper. So as we come into land this morning, it's true, Herod gets a bit of flack. He seems a bit adept at political manoeuvring and liking a bit of a photo shoot. He seems after the wrong thing. He's after what Jesus did, the glitz, the glamour, not who he was. I think that's his major mistake, forgetting who Jesus is. The signs won't bring us to faith. Miracles won't bring us to faith. I remember when I was a, a Christian back in Norfolk, I went into my staff room when I was a teacher, um, and a, a colleague of mine wasn't a Christian, and she said to me, oh, my back's really hurting me today. And without really thinking about it, I opened my mouth and said, oh, I believe God can heal you. Can we pray for you? I kind of wanted to put the words back in my mouth. And 
Scarily, she said, oh, yes, please. And so I said the quickest, quietest, mumbliest prayer that I've ever said. And she turned around and went to me, what have you done? What have you done? My back's feeling hot. And God healed her in that instant. But, but she didn't fall to her knees and declare Jesus as Lord. She didn't say, I'd love to come to church on Sunday. She, didn't, she wasn't called to be a vicar or to church plant. As far as I'm aware, she's, she's not a Christian. So signs don't bring us to faith. They're a sign of the coming kingdom. They're a sign of the rule and reign of Jesus. But they're not the be-all and end-all. Above all, Herod's mistake was not knowing who Jesus is. So, friends, while we have faith for mighty acts of God, the challenge is to focus on the gift giver, not the gifts. That instead of focusing on the miracles, we focus on the one doing the miracles. Not us, but the Lord. Our next few songs remind us that it's all about Jesus, that we are real people doing life together, all for him. So let's have a moment of quiet as we invite Jesus by his spirit to come to speak to us. There might be different things from that talk or that Bible reading that resonate in your heart today. So if the band want to come up and get ready behind me for our next song, we'll pray. Come, Holy Spirit.